Hello and welcome to my channel, podcast about technology, innovation and palliative care. I'm your host, my name is Amara Warsu, I'm an academic clinical lecturer at the University of Liverpool. Today's episode of My Pal features an interview with Dr. Daniel Monnery around the subject of medical education for undergraduates. So without further ado, here is the interview. So welcome to My Pal podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Daniel Monnery, who is a speciality trainee in palliative care based here in the Mercy Society Deanery in the UK. So Dan, hello. Hello. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for doing this. It's a pleasure. So today we're going to have a, a brief chat just about you, your role as a doctor and some of the interests you have in medical education. Mm-hmm. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Dan? Um, yeah, I'm, as you say, a registrar in palliative care. I trained originally at Keele University in Stoke. And then after that, I did all my foundation training in the West Midlands at uh, Stoke Hospital, which involved a little bit of academia here and there. I did a nephrology academic job, which had a lot of teaching in that. And then for my core medical training, I came up to Liverpool to do that in the Mersey Union, because at the time I wanted to do infectious diseases and tropical medicine. And then during that training, in core medical training, I had some experience in palliative care and fell in love with it and decided to do my specialty training in that. So that's what's brought me here. So, fantastic. So just if people aren't fully aware, so with core medical training, how long does that last for? That's two years. So you do, after you finish medical school, you do two years of foundation training, then two years of, if you want to do a medical specialty, two years of core medical training, but equally you could do core surgical training or GP training or psychiatry training, whatever field you wanted to go into, but for me it was medicine. And then after two years, you can apply for um, specialty registrar posts, which mm-hmm. is what I did, and was very lucky to get to get this one. Okay. So, you, like you mentioned, you've got a registrar post, training post, then palliative care. So, when did you start that? I started that in August two thousand and fourteen. So that would make this my seventh month, wow. the eighth month of being a registrar. And how's it going? I love it. It's really <laughs> great. I mean, I I thought I would, but I, I really really enjoy it. Okay. It's challenging, but it's really rewarding. A question that I'm going to ask everybody on the interview is the same mm-hmm. question, and it's what does palliative care mean to you? To me, it's about treating medicine as an art rather than as a science in trying to help people with incurable disease. So I think there's so much more to palliative care than just the medicine. There's a lot of the communication side, a lot of this being supportive, and a lot of really being there for people which is the most rewarding bit for me. You've told us a little bit about joining the palliative care training. Just so everybody's aware, how long is this training scheme? Well, it's a four-year training scheme. So you, within that four years, you would do some time in a hospice, some time working in hospital, some time working in the community, and also, specific to the Mersey Deanery, we do some time in oncology, at least six months with oncology. Mm. And that's sort of the minimum, as it were, but there are also opportunities to take time out of training to, do, to pursue other interests, such as research or medical education or perhaps some, some time working abroad. So four years is the minimum, but it can, it can last. It can be longer. Mm. And again, so and when we get to the end of four years, what happens then? Well, if you provided that you've completed all your assessments and got your final exam, then you can apply for a consultancy post once you've got your completion of core training. 
you've got some experience in medical education, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. So can you tell us about your experience that you've had? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for quite a, lot, quite a while, since, since I was a sort of final year medical student. I've been very interested in teaching, teaching students, you know, younger students, and then throughout my career as a doctor so far, I've been doing a lot of medical education. So that started off very much doing ward-based teaching and bedside teaching with medical students when I was a foundation trainee. And then I took a master's in medical science during my foundation training and into my core medical training. And as part of that, I did quite a lot of medical education within that. So I did some modules on teaching and learning whilst I was doing that. And then used that to develop sort of a a teaching portfolio, as it were. So teaching medical students in seminar groups and things for Keele University. And then as part of the master's degree, at the end for my dissertation, I did some research in educating postgraduates in medical handover and looking at the best ways of creating transferable skills so basically making sure the learners are learning what you're trying to teach them and what the best ways of doing that are and through that you know I got I did a few presentations locally and nationally and that and got recognized when I moved up to Liverpool by the people that are quite high up in the Liverpool Medical School so through those connections I was then invited to be part of the new curriculum design group because the Liverpool curriculum has recently changed so I've been involved in that and I was leading the group that wrote the curriculum for MDT communication and patient safety and then I've also been giving lectures at the university again through having built those links and through people knowing what my fields of interest are and recently been appointed as an honorary lecturer in in those areas. So, so well done. Thank you. And one of the things that you didn't mention was that you got an award didn't you? For oh the- I did. And it, so I did. What was that? That was the um, Health Service Journal Award in 2014. I, my um, research group from Leighton Hospital won in the category of medical technology and design. So the reason was, we, as part of our training process for the postgraduates, we also used an electronic system for handover as well to see if that facilitated the increase of skills used during handover and also if it improved quantitative patient outcomes, so things like length of stay and out-of-hours mortality, and it was the use of the technology that won the award. Okay, that's fantastic. So you know, in terms of, say, incorporating that into practice, how easy is it to take what you've already done and, and to put it into practice here? In terms of the education side of it, it's, it's quite easy because the skills are transferable. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the tools that we teach for handover, so, for example, the... SBAR format, which is Situation, Background, Assessment and Recommendation, which is the format which we should use for handover, is very evidence-based. It's the most evidence-based tool, so teaching skills like that and teaching timings for handover, what's appropriate for handover, how to identify patients to handover to on-call shifts, and all that's transferable, so that's quite applicable. The use of some of the technology perhaps is not, because the the database that we used at Leighton Hospital for recording all the information was designed for a large hospital I setting. Uh, and it was quite expensive, and it cost £50,000, this technology. So putting it into a hospice setting would yeah. be impractical. But putting it into a large hospital setting like the Royal, it would, be, it would be appropriate. So it depends which setting you're trying to put that into. So just picking up about the involvement that you've had with the medical school with the undergraduate curriculum, why do you think undergraduate medical education is important for palliative care? I think there, there's two main things that stick out in my mind for that. One of them is my own personal experience as an undergraduate medical student in that when I was a medical student at Keele there was very little palliative medicine in the curriculum 
there were a couple of videos on end-of-life care, but there was no real talk about what the role of palliative medicine was within that. And so when I became a doctor, I didn't really have an understanding of what a palliative care doctor did or what the field of palliative medicine entailed. So it wasn't until I actually was doing my core medical training and actually worked in palliative medicine that I had any idea of what people did in palliative medicine. And I think that's a real key area for undergraduate education. I do feel that, in a way, I missed out by not knowing that because it might... And other people might be missing out as well by not having that. So I think it's really important for promoting awareness of what palliative medicine is for undergraduates. And then I think the flip side is, if you don't learn about palliative medicine as an undergraduate, you miss out on so many aspects of medicine which are applicable to the general medical field because palliative medicine contains so much that can be used in other areas. So you've got the aspect of physical care, emotional care, there's a lot of communication skills which you know, training in palliative care would be transferable to the general medical setting. A lot of teaching around ethics and law, particularly around the end of life and particularly with new legal cases coming up all the time about DNA CPR and, and those kind of subjects, you know, students could learn that in palliative mm. care teaching and it's very, very applicable to palliative care, but those skills are so transferable that if the students didn't learn that, I think that they would, they would suffer in the general setting, not just in palliative medicine. So I think it's really, really important that palliative medicine plays a, a big part of undergraduate training. And I know recently there's been the Association of Palliative Medicine undergraduate education conference, is that right? That's right, yeah. Uh, and you were there, is that right? Yeah, that was in Cambridge two weeks ago. Uh, tell us and all the listeners a bit about that conference and what happened. Well, what it was is it was a conference designed for members of the Association of Palliative Medicine that have an interest in medical education. And the theme this year was assessment um, and how we're assessing undergraduate students' attainment of learning objectives in palliative medicine. And quite a lot of it was around writing questions for single best answer questions and the best way of assessing quantitative outcomes or or, or writing summative assessments. But the bits that I found particularly useful were the things around formative assessment of students. So there was a presentation from one of the people at Cambridge who was talking about the use of reflection and formative feedback on reflection to judge how much students have learnt. So the way they're doing it is when students start their palliative care placement, which isn't until the fourth year, they come with a reflective portfolio of palliative care patients they've seen in the non-palliative care setting, so in GP or general medicine or any hospital-based setting, and what their thoughts and feelings were about the patients and their management and if they feel, what any feelings they have towards their treatment and any difficulties that they perceive in being able to deliver that care. And then at the start of their palliative care placement, they get some formative feedback from the person who's looking after them in the hospice setting about their learning experience, if there's anything that they can particularly focus on during their palliative care block to address any learning needs that they've identified. And it also serves as as almost protection for the students because if there's emotional distress or anything sort of within that reflection, it can be addressed early before putting those students in a situation where they're exposed to so much raw emotion. So I think it's a really useful technique. So I think that was very beneficial. And also there was the opportunity whilst at the conference to talk to people from other universities that are involved in curriculum design. And palliative medicine, as of September this year, is changing its role in the medical curriculum at Liverpool uh, University. So we're we're moving from 
an interrupted block in the fourth year of medical students coming to the hospital where they spend a few days then go out for different placements. We're going to have a three-week solid block in the fourth year plus lectures in the uh, first, second and third year okay. in order to highlight palliative care early. And that very much fits with what other universities in the spiral curricula are doing. So they're highlighting palliative care early in the, in the course so that students are aware of it and then they're building on that year by year okay. and then finishing with the clinical placement. So it's good to see that we're coming in line more with what others are doing and what people are on the whole, feel is quite beneficial to students. And just tell me the terminology of so spiral <coughs> curriculum. The spiral curriculum is where essentially you, you start your undergraduate training with a basic understanding of anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, and then you build on that as the years go on and add more clinical information onto that as you go through the course. So actually the same topics are revisited year on year, but they're built upon okay. each time. So that when you're encountering things in year five, it's all stuff you've seen before, but you're just deepening your knowledge on it. And it helps to build on prior experience. So it's quite an effective way of learning. So, Dan, a word of advice for anybody out there that's interested in medical education? What would you advise them to do? I think the, the, I mean, the technique... I followed was just get involved you know yeah. let people know you're interested in doing it if there's students to teach which there always is wherever you work you get involved teach them make yourself known it helps to have been on a few courses if you're particularly interested in it and that's what I did with my masters but that's not obligatory as you say I think you just have to get in there and do it and get some experience in it well Dr Daniel Murray thank you very much thank you and I hope everybody out there enjoyed it just as much as I have thank you very much so Take care until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. So hopefully you found this episode of MyPal interesting. If you want any further information about myself or the MyPal project, then please check out my website, which is www.amarawarsu.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Year of the Fiery Horse, a band that resides here in Liverpool. If you want any further information, then just click on the SoundCloud link, which can be found in the description attached to this podcast. So, thank you once again for my pal. Here is the year five to see you Take care. Bye.